Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. So today on the Plant Cunning Podcast, we have Sally Crow, and Sally is a professional psychic, intuitive, and author. So we're really excited to have Sally on the show, and how are you today? I'm good. Thank you. So usually our first question is what brought you to the plant path, but you also, you know, do a lot of, a lot of things. So what, what brought you to the path? Birth. So I have a more unusual, you know, I think of it as being very fortunate and blessed in that my first teacher was my great grandmother and she was half Irish traveler and half Blackfoot, Native American. And she knew, she raised my father. So she was my, I called her Grammy, even though she was really my great grandmother. And my parents were hippies. So I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and not just because they were hippies, but because my parents were wild. So, but we, my sister and I, had an upbringing that we lived with our parents, but we spent a lot of time with this woman, my grandmother, who was a, you know, everybody called her Graham in town. People came to see her to look into their life and future, to talk to their loved ones who'd passed for herbal remedies. So it was interesting when, you know, cause I knew that you guys were going to ask the question about how you came to the plant path and I actually, you know, did through more osmosis, like I've never studied herbalism. My sister has. My sister was more the outside. I was more growing up, you know, inside. I say I learned a lot of the parlor arts were my specialty, but I've, my grandmother was an herbalist. My sister's an herbalist. So my sister and I taught together for many years. And if people would ask me questions, I'd at first be like, oh, I don't know this. And then I'd be like, oh, actually, yes, I do. So my relationship with plants has come from living in the environment, which is the same answer to where, how did I come to the path of magic? I lived in it. Cool. So you were born with certain gifts, right? How did those develop over your life? And did they come out full force or did you have to work at them and develop them? So I've been doing, you know, talking to or experiencing, well, talking to myself in particular and not talking about like talking to myself, but like my sister and I would talk, communicate with future versions of ourself through mirrors when we were really little kids. So I started doing psychic things when I was about three or four. I've had past life memories since I was about three or four. My grandmother being gifted did a lot of teaching through games, you know, so like I learned a lot through playing card games and that I was incredibly good at games that, you know, like games like Rummy, I I can still, like if I'm really playing, I will win because I can see exactly when I should pick up cards and when I shouldn't Mm -hmm. win by points. And so a lot of my early education was very simple. My grandmother would say things like, spirits talk to you, Sally, it's okay. Okay. Sometimes you know things, Sally, it's okay. But Mm -hmm. so I was, I was experiencing things, spirits, we knew we interacted with, you know, 
elemental spirits as kids. My grandmother was also somebody who had a strong belief in the Fey folk. Mm-hmm. And we had things that we did if we were going into the woods, things that we did if we were going to collect water from the well, things that, you know, so like it really was, it's kind of like asking the child of a musician when they really started mm-hmm. playing right. music. They probably don't have memories that don't involve doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess that's probably why you're born into that family. Also. Right. Yeah. Because there's like the inborn yeah. gifts and then there's the gifts of the, the nurture gifts. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the development working with a teacher. Gift. Right. Well, I talk about the psychic skills or psychic ability, if you want, is actually two things. It's ability and skill. Ability is mm-hmm. what you're born with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that usually comes from things that you may have developed in other lifetimes and people who have a lot of natural ability are going to have experiences with spirit, even if they're not trying to, even if that might be scaring them, even if it's forbidden in their religion, you know? So there's a lot of like, that's why I say I feel really lucky. Like I had support in that it was made normal for me. And yes, I was going to have a lot of experiences regardless of whether I had that nurturing or not. I was one of those people who I, I didn't have a choice on whether I was going to be psychic. I just was. Yeah. It seems like there are a lot of people who are born with the ability, but then in this culture, especially that's a shut down immediately. Yeah. Instead of being encouraged, they're like, don't ever talk to anybody about that. Yeah. yeah, my my actually my first book, which is called Jump Girl, The Initiation and Art of a Spirit Speaker, that was a memoir of my life growing up psychic and about this major opening I had when I was 30. And when I wrote it, it really was a memoir, but it wasn't intended to be like an educational book. But when people come to see me, they will bring the book with them and it is underlined. It has you know, sticky notes in it and highlighters and the things that people are underlining are experiences that they also had, Ah. but did not have the ability to understand what it was. Because when I wrote Jump Girl, I wrote these things happen, but I'd also explain it from my education that went on way past what I got from my grandmother, you know? So Mm. I was able to take these experiences that I had and make them normal which made it so when other people read the book, they read it and they're like, oh my God, you know, I wasn't crazy or, oh, I did have this experience and there's a name for it or there's other people who have this. Yeah, that's that's really important. Uh, It also brings to me a question that I had. So for instance, if there's somebody, a younger younger person who's born with abilities, but is scared of them or doesn't Mm -hmm. want them, what what do you say to that kind of that person? Like, how do you help them? Yeah, they, not didn't, be, yeah. they didn't have a gram that was telling them right. that play. Right. I personally do not work with anybody under the age of 18 unless I have met their parents and it's okay with their parents. Because I looked at it like I didn't want other people influencing my children's spiritual or religious mind without me knowing about it. So I've always kind of done the same thing. So most people who come to see me, I mean, I see clients regularly for psychic readings and spirit communication. Most people walk through the door that way. They Mm -hmm. come in and I'm able to see that they have these gifts maybe even before they tell me. And one of the things that I tell them is that they've got to take the words maybe, kind of, and think so 
out of their vocabulary when they are talking about the experiences that they have had. Because when we describe our spiritual experiences, very often people will be like, I think I saw my grandmother. And I'm like, well, why don't you take the word think out of that? And, you know, so they'll be like, I saw my grandmother. And I'm like, well, how does that feel? And they'll be like, I saw my grandmother. Because when we say it in the affirmative and we really had that experience, we feel it viscerally in our body. We know that we had that experience. We know we had the experience when we say, I think, or maybe that was, you know, maybe I saw a spirit. Maybe I had, you know, maybe you don't know the exact terminology for what you experienced, but you know you had the experience. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that I tell people is to start taking those words of doubt out of how they speak because that is their biggest hindrance. That's the thing that has to go first is this constant doubt because you know we can think thousands of things in any one moment. What makes you think that one thing at that time? Okay. You yeah. randomly while you were sitting in your living room thought that you saw your dead cousin standing there because you just suddenly decided to make that up. That's really highly unlikely. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot more likely that you had a visitation from your loved one who's crossed over. Yeah. But in the material reductionist worldview that we grow up in most of the time, that's, that's not possible. <laughs> right. Even though people experience it every day. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those people who right now, I believe we're going through psychic evolution. So I think that we're in the process of a great opening. You know, people call it awakening. They call it ascension. They call it a lot of things. I call it psychic evolution because I think it's a natural process, you know, and that a mutation, an evolution is a mutation of sorts. You know, it's like something is changing in our ability to perceive. I also think that this is very normal and that humans naturally have more heightened intuition but religion and culture has like pushed it out and now we're starting to bring it back in and so people who aren't even looking to have experiences are having experiences now and enough of us are having experiences who want them that we seek to understand them and then seek to normalize them you know mm -hmm by having a podcast talking about it or writing books talking about it or you know we are we're changing it just by the fact that we're talking about it mm -hmm. yeah having open discussions yeah I, I guess the other side of the, the the there's the getting rid of the doubt words but there's like doubting your experience but then there's also mm -hmm. being scared of yeah. entering that world because it is yeah can be very scary it can be but most of our fear if we sit with it is created by religious dogma mm. and bad 80s movies okay <laughs> scooby-doo like this sensationalized just like you know harry potter's really cool but real magic doesn't have as much fireworks it's not as yeah. much visual display that that's hollywood you know it's the same thing when it comes to spirit communication one of the things that people fear a lot when it comes to opening themselves to communication is that they're going to be attacked by you know evil spirits and i'm like yes there are some you know bad spirits out there there's the same thing you can say about walking down the street in physical form 
the majority of spirits you're going to come in contact with are going to be good. Mm. And there might be one or two, you might have be that person, then you, you educate yourself, you learn how to identify and how to trust your own experience. But it's the same thing can be said, like I said, about walking down the street. And, you know, most physical people that I meet are generally decent, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even if they're not decent, they might might hold their <laughs> right there. Yeah. Because also the big thing is, is like, <laughs> there's been this real uptick of people who are, in my experience, because people are coming unraveled. I mean, you guys have probably seen it too. People are really struggling. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people who are struggling with mental illness. There's a lot yeah. of people who are kind of coming apart at the seams and they're seeking, they're looking. And so it's hard to get clear answers about anything when you're in a deep space of fear. So when you're like, how do I know how to trust myself? Well, that's where that saying comes in about meditation. (laughs) (laughs) Like we talk about it all the time and people think that, you know, it's hard to meditate. It can be, you know, and it's hard to, it seems boring in comparison to maybe some of the things you'd rather be doing, but you have to have the ability to center yourself or you can't trust yourself when you're put into a situation that is, you know, maybe volatile emotionally at all. And, you know, so you got to really be able to center yourself before you do. I just tell people there's a lot of ways of doing that that are not about sitting on a cushion, like rocking in a rocking chair, mowing the lawn, weeding the garden crocheting or knitting you know all of those woodworking whittling you know like all of these little things that we watched our grandparents maybe do for hobbies were actually things that allowed you to slip into a more meditative state because you don't have to have your like super crisp mind paying attention absolutely and as far as like tools for centering yourself there's probably also some tools you can speak of to gain confidence with dealing with the spirit worlds for protection, just like in the physical world, if you're walking through the street, you might feel a little more confident to have a little pepper spray in your purse. If you're a woman walking alone, like, do you have some, some My actual real thing that I tell people to do is to get themselves a doorman. So Mm -hmm. I call the protective spirit I used to own a bar when I was in my twenties. So your doorman says who can come in, you can come in, you can come in, you need to stay here. I'll pass a message for you, or you just need to stay away. Uh And spirit can perceive us far easier than we can perceive them. So even if we are not clearly seeing that person step up for us, you know, usually I tell people, ask somebody that they know and love and trust who has passed a grandparent, a friend, you know, they don't have to be big and bulky in life because that doesn't really matter in the spirit world. You just want somebody who's going to have your back. Somebody who's going to watch out for you. And to me, that's better than pepper spray. Mm -hmm. But, you know, some of the things that do help us to feel strong when we're working with spirit are religious items or items that we feel are sacred, which might not be the same for all people. I mean, maybe it's a rock from your favorite crystal collection for you. Maybe it's a you know, rosary that your great aunt Lucy had for you, you know, like we can, what we're really doing is we're creating our own protection by 
concentrating on that item. And it's not to say that that item doesn't have its own resonance, mm -hmm. but it's really what it's doing is it's activating our belief that we're protected. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest, when it comes to the spirit world, we have more control because we have a body, we are incarnate. So no other spirit can have more control over your body than you. But the biggest thing that people make for a mistake when it comes to working with spirit of any kind is fear. Yeah. And my grandmother, you know, drilled this one into us when we were young kids was that fear was the soul killer. You know, that when you believe that a spirit has power over you, you are giving the spirit power over you. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. So I guess another thing about all of this is knowing knowing who you are in the first place. You can't really trust yourself if you haven't spent any time yes. with yourself. Yeah, spirit communication usually is not like, you know, the stuff I talk about in Spirit Speaker, which is about honoring your beloved dead. That's everybody can do that. Mm -hmm. Everybody can set up an altar for their beloved dead. Everybody can, you know, sit and have, you know, sacred moments with their beloved dead. And if you imagine that, you know, in a sea of darkness that you have a little tea light candle lit that's how much energy most people give off in the spirit world and that is enough light for their spirits that are already close to them to find them mm. the people who have spirits that are around them all the time are natural mediums that might not be trained mm. but you know like if you're the person who you know you're the one that always ends up you know, living in the haunted house or every time you go to a place where there's a spirit there talking to you or doing something that you see them, you feel them. That's because you have natural ability as a medium and a medium gives off a lot more luminosity in the spirit world, which means that they are visible by far more spirits and a trained medium can get off the light, like of a lighthouse, basically being able to call in what spirits they want to, but the average person communicating with their own loved ones doesn't have to go through this huge, big thing of protection. Mm -hmm. But, and when it comes to psychic development, mediumship is actually, and channeling is actually considered like a top level psychic ability. Mm -hmm. So people, most people are going to be experiencing empathic ability, which is physically mm -hmm. feeling the emotions and, you know, sometimes he's been physical pain of other people. And then if you go above that, if you think of, you know, psychic ability is more like a spectrum. If you go above that, then you're starting to think about people who have the ability to see into the unseen world, whether that's precognition or just being able to, you know, read a person's body when you're doing healing work on them, all of these, knowing what that plant is capable of. Now that kind of borders a little bit in between, you know, channeling and communication, okay? Because whether you have the ability to communicate with plants or animals or dead humans, angels, aliens, whatever it is, it's all the same ability. It's just like changing channels. Okay. Yeah. Um, Interesting. When you said that everybody has the ability to connect with their own ancestors, their own beloved dead and create an altar. I was just wondering if you could share with our listeners, like, 
how to create an altar for your beloved dead and just a few Sure. Um, so I wrote Spirit Speaker actually for everyday people because my work is in, you know, I live in a rural area. My business literally grew word of mouth until it was, you know, to the point where I was meeting people who were making bigger things happen. But I have everyday people, you know, waitresses and doctors and grandmas these are my clients and people have regular questions and one of the things is is that they want to have a continued relationship with their loved ones who've passed into spirit and this used to be really normal like in human you know like life as we know it the majority of time human beings have believed in honoring their dead and the ability to reach out to them in times of need. And so a home altar is a way for you to create a space. It's very much like thinking of like a gravestone, a gravestone. When you go into a graveyard and you go to sit by a, a gravestone, you are leaving behind your, you know, mundane stuff that really isn't important. You're there for a deeper level of communication. And an altar creates the same thing, but you can keep it in your home because most of us are all over the place now, instead of, you know, living in the same town that our family's dead is buried in. Okay. So the altar gives us this home environment to do that. And it can be as simple or as elaborate as you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, A shelf top of, you know, like a bookshelf, top of a dresser. These are all, you just want a flat surface. And I usually recommend that people put it in a place that their loved one really enjoyed being in. So if your mom was a kitchen person, you might want to have your space set up for her in a kitchen. That's a good idea. Yeah. Your altar can be for one person or the whole family, but you put pictures of the person. You might put, you know, spiritual items that make you feel connected. You could put crystals and seashells, you know, if you're, it's really completely yours. If you're, you know, grandma was an amazing cook, you might put a wooden spoon on your altar to, you know, in that recognition of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And the key is to interact with it regularly. So I usually suggest to my clients that they get a regular little candle that they can put on their altar and that they spend about five minutes with it every day and that they literally just talk to that person that they miss because spirits can perceive us far easier than we can perceive them. You know, it's kind of like a police mirror and the spirits are on the side that they can see us, hear us, watch us. Their difficulty is getting us to see them, hear them. So most people are like that other side of that police mirror in which they might sometimes know somebody's over there. They feel them, they sense them but they can't quite make it out. So spirits know when we can feel them because we react. So like if you have like maybe your uncles in the room with you and you feel for just a second that you're not alone and you go, okay, well, that's enough for the spirit to know that whatever they did worked. Okay. Okay. Because you just made a reaction. So they're over there going like, oh my God, they, they got it. They got it. They're going to keep trying to do those same things, you know? So like, if you do have that experience and you're like, I feel like that could have been my loved one, then maybe you give space for that experience to happen again. Like you sit in the same place 
or you just kind of keep track of where it's happening for you because spirits are opportunistic. If they see something's working, they're going to keep doing it. Yeah, it reminds me of my friend Cliffy passed a few years ago and one of our other friends went to the his gravestone and he showed up and was like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm with you, you know, I, you could have right. just called from, from your house. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They can go and that's it. Time and space isn't the same when we're dead. So, you know, they can easily go from Vermont to California, back to New York, you know, like that, like to visit people. I think the graveyards are for the living. Yeah. You know? Because they, like I said, they're a place where we can go and we're setting aside time to be connected to them is a place of giving honor. I go visit my family graves usually at least once or twice a year, mm. but more often than I go there, I go to a sacred place on the river in the White Mountains that my family spent every summer at all the time. So awesome. my sister and I drive, it's like an hour and a half from where I live and we usually drive it. Maybe I think we do try to do it just about every month, every other month at, you know, because for us, that is more than going to the graveyard we're still yeah. hanging out with our people but we're hanging out with our people where we all like to hang out with each other so when you had a hiking buddy that passes you're going to feel that hiking buddy with you more often when you're on the trail if your dad really loved going on long car rides you're going to have that partner with you in spirit as soon as you get into that travel mode mm, yeah totally yeah, I felt like that with my uncle who gave us a mini school bus. Like that bus, he carried us through some really hairy situations yeah. that should not have physically happened. Like the bus was missing a screw in its axle to keep the wheels yep. off. And we yeah. were going to mountains in Canada and we were fine. And then the bus just wouldn't start for no reason the next day. And we had to take to the shop <laughs> and they you're were like, like, Oh, you're lucky you didn't lose your wheel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, that was uncle Dick. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's it's amazing sometimes what, you know, when we get out of our own way and when so, we get out of our own way. Yeah. yeah. And then what about like spirits or, you know, loved ones who have passed sending like, symbols or signs or animals that cross your path and make you think mm -hmm. of them do you think that they reach out through that way too or is that something yes. you're contributing yeah but they do or... it like i always try to tell people spirits are far more opportunistic like the things that uh -huh. we're experiencing and associating with spirits are connected to spirit but the way they're doing it is what's usually different so like the animal thing like i see a deer on the side of the road and i immediately think of my grandmother Hmm. that doesn't happen every time you see a deer on the side of the road, right? So right. what happens is that maybe your grandmother was already with you and you see that and you're already maybe thinking about her a little bit or maybe not, but maybe she's with you. And then all of a sudden you see the deer and she throws her energy at you at the same time okay. so that you associate seeing the deer with her. So the same thing happens with like songs on the radio, People constantly oh, wow. receive messages that way where they, a song starts playing and they know that their friend was with them or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that is true. 
but it's not because the DJ got a message from spirit because DJs would be making a lot more money if they could take requests from the dead. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what actually happens is they're already with you listening to that music. And when the song comes on that they really loved and they know that, you know, they love it. They push their energy at you wow. at the same time. Okay. They can also give you earworms. So, you know, like when people talk about getting it, totally. sometimes that is spirit. Cause like my aunt, when she died of ALS and she had a 17 year old daughter at the time mm -hmm. and her daughter went through her daughter's a healthy, wonderful mother herself now, but her daughter went through years of addiction, you know, dealing with her mom's dying. And my aunt was constantly checking up on her, but oh my God, it started the day of her funeral. She played, started playing the Pina Colada song in my head. You know, <laughs> if you like Pina Coladas, yeah, I hate that song. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I hated it before she started doing that, but it was so much at her funeral that I finally asked one of her friends, I'm like, look, and her friend was like, oh, she loves that song. So for like a year and a half, two years, whenever my aunt would need to get my attention about her daughter, she'd start playing that. The funny story is though, is that at one point, cause I used to get so mad. I'd be like, Just yeah, stop it. okay. It was a different track, please. Right. Well, she did. <laughs> She oh, really? She started playing, like, I think it's Take It on the Run, Baby by Ario Speedwagon. This tells you her style of music. Okay. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, you're using a different song. And she said, yeah, your dad told me that I would probably, you'd probably respond to me better if I didn't keep playing a song you hate. And I'm like, ah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> so sometimes we do, we might be getting that earworm, especially if that earworm comes with feeling you know, a connection to somebody or makes us think of somebody, then there's a good likelihood that it is somebody playing it in your mind, like trying to get you to acknowledge them. Yeah. And so you speak about in Spirit Speaker, how you can send your energy back to the dead, just like the, yeah. the spirits are sending their energy to us through that song. How do you do that? Well, you know, sometimes our loved ones go to their death with a lot of trauma. Okay. They go to our, their death through, you know, their trauma of their own mental illness, their addiction, maybe bad things happened to them that created their passing. And so when they cross over, we can still pray for them or we can still like light a candle. And what I tell people is healing yourself goes a long way in healing your dad because especially if that person you love was partially responsible for their own passing because first of all for a person to do to harm themselves in such a way whether it's addiction or suicide means that they were already struggling they were already in a really difficult place and uh, so that traumatizes a family usually after something like that happens. And so the first thing I tell people is that they have to work on their own healing because their loved one is watching them. Their loved one knows that they left behind this mess. And so when we start to heal ourselves, we help to heal them, but we can pray for our dead. We can, I tell people light a candle for them every day and think of them and think about them being healthy and healing. And if you're trying to help them heal, put pictures of them on your altar of them when they were in a healthy place, that reminder of it. But 
in a larger extent, we can also work with our beloved dead, ancestral beloved dead, like even generations back when we are working on healing, you know, familiar traumas. So when we're talking about, you know, a lot of us know that we came in to break what I call ancestral curses, but they are those repetitive, destructive behaviors like abuse and addiction and that families play out generation after generation because mm -hmm. the wounded raise the next generation and wound them that raises the next. And then you always, we're actually getting a substantial amount of people right now who know that they're here to heal their family or to be the person who says, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to break this pattern. I'm going to be different. Yeah. And when you're doing that, chances are you are actually helping to heal your whole family, not just the generations that come after you and, and can see that there's an example of healthy, you know, relationships in my family, but also the people who came before you because they get to see that they didn't destroy their family forever. And also time wow. isn't really linear. So, you know, once we get into spirit form, there's a lot of wiggle room there. Hmm. Cool. So these are really interesting ways of, yes, working with the, with dead spirits. Um, mm -hmm. but there, you know, there are many kinds of spirits in yes. the world. Yes, and I wonder if you have some examples or experiences of, or tips for working with spirits of the land and elementals and so on. Sure. So last year, my book, the path of elemental witchcraft, which is mm -hmm a tome it's like 570 pages so it's a gigantic book and it is all about working with nature beings i broke the book down into four different you know earth air fire and water mm -hmm. but there's something so there's a section in each of those books on communication there's a section in each of those books on divination and on healing and then two other pieces in each element but communication is in all of them and the first thing that I always tell people to do is to introduce yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. And to do it and to do it out loud, to speak mm -hmm. out loud. So this was something that I was taught when I was a kid. If we were going into the woods, we would always announce ourselves and make noise for two reasons. One, so that the animals who might be startled by us knew we were coming and would have time to get out of our way. Mm -hmm. uh, and two, so that the nature beings that might be interested in meeting us knew we were coming mm -hmm. okay so first thing i tell people is to introduce yourself but also to say why you're there if you are there i am going into the woods to clear clear a walking trail mm -hmm. yeah. okay and when i'm teaching students i say and then you take it the next step and you say i'm going to be cutting branches so now that i've announced myself I, you know that I'm going to be cutting branches. When you reach your hand up, in the beginning, you might be doing this a lot. I usually ask in the beginning, and then I just know if the answer is no. It's kind of like the same thing that a lot of people who work with plants are taught to harvest, you know, mm -hmm. is that you don't just take everything you want, you right. take what wants to go. You feel mm -hmm. it. You have to work with your own sensitivity around that. You need to become a steward first before you're going to find that nature spirits want to communicate with you which means you don't go in asking you go in simply to make a relationship 
before you're asking them to do you magical favors. <laughs> right. It's like right. me, someone initially being like, hey, we just do all these right. things. Funny? You don't even know me, but. <laughs> right. And one of the things I tell people is that when you're walking around, like I, I'm, a, I'm more of like a harvester and I'm not much of a gardener. I have, you know, fruit bushes and stuff like that, that I can harvest and I have a lot of land. But if I'm going in to meet with being, especially in a place I haven't been, I use wide angle vision. So this is something I talk a lot about in pretty much all of my books. Wide angle vision is walking with a soft gaze in which our focus is on the peripheral. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when we, you might've done those, looked at that art that was really popular in the nineties, where if you look at it, another three-dimensional image pops up yeah like a sailboat or yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and in yoga we have a dristi but the dristi isn't like we're staring at it we're just focusing there and letting our vision go wide okay so this is that's what wide angle vision is hunters do it all the time naturally (laughs) spirit is more easily perceived in our peripheral vision which is why so many people have experiences with seeing something out of the corner of their eye and they turn to look at it and then it's gone and it's because now we're looking through it okay we're penetrating it because we have to look at the spirit realm i like to describe it through colored clear folders like you'd put reports in so pink blue green yellow white we're in the clear the white Okay, Mm. that's our physical realm. We can all pretty much see here unless we are physically blind. Okay. Most people have some form of colorblindness when it comes into the other dimensions. So we say the world of ancestral dead might be blue, the world of nature spirits might be green. And so we have to have that soft gaze in order to really be able to perceive, but we have to think about it. Like I just use the colored folders because everything's right here. These are just different dimensions. They're just right here. And some people will never see. So when you hearing the word see, you have to think about it as sense. You might feel the energy coming off of that tree. You might feel the energy coming off of that bush. You know, originally one of the things that we were going to talk about was divas. So Mm -hmm. divas are part of what is considered the genus locus. So the genus locus is the spirit of place. And a spirit of place can be land that you tend, you know, Mm -hmm. most people, when they think of spirit of place, they're going to think about their own home, their own acreage, their own, but we actually recognize what spirit of place is usually through our cars. Okay. Hmm. Like almost everybody has had the experience of thinking their car has a personality. Right. Right. (laughs) Okay. And every car has a different personality. So every piece of land has a personality or genus locus, which is made up of all of the beings that live on that property, including us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. When we've lived a place long enough, we become part of the genus locus. Divas are part of the genus locus. So it's almost like if you think about it, like the large body of water and raindrops, you know, mm-hmm. the genus locus is the, the body of water. The drops are the divas. They are a part of that genus locus and they are very connected to places that are groomed. Okay. So if you want to have a diva and you don't want it to be super polished, you know, like you're using a bunch of pesticides and stuff, but they're more often going to be seen in orchards, gardens, places that are beautiful and being tended because they actually like to help 
things grow. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things I tell people if they're trying to attract divas is to make the space that you're tending attractive, you know, maybe put an, I'm a, I'm a huge altar person. Mm-hmm. mostly because we all have altars throughout our house anyways and we just don't call them that the shelf that you have with all the seashells and the pictures of you and your family at the ocean that is an altar okay yeah. you know that's an altar to the ocean and to family memories and you know so altars in our garden are places that we give honor that we say i recognize this as a sacred place so when we put the effort into bringing things in that make that space beautiful we're going to be more likely to attract divas and again especially if we ask for them you know especially if we are working in that garden and saying you know i'm sally crow and i really want to bring to welcome divas to this place so that's actually my own personal story as far as like the land i live on i've lived on for 25 years and when and for a long time, nothing really was around me. And mm-hmm. every time that anybody has developed anything near my home, cut wood, you know, like forest, done anything, I have literally gone out into my field and put out a call and verbally said that I welcome all nature spirits that need a safe place to be, to come to my property. And I've gone way past that now. I've built altars and done geomancy to create, you know, to enhance the vortex energy of the property in order to make it easier for elemental beings to be perceived here because I've done a lot of teaching on my property as well. Mm -hmm. So there are things, but the altar is the easiest way. And if somebody's really interested in it, there is a whole section on geomancy in the path of elemental witchcraft that goes into details on ways that you can enhance the energy of your property, including being able to recognize where ley lines are crossing on your property and where you should be putting altars and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I find that stuff very interesting. We had a an episode just on, on yeah, walking the land and looking at vortexes and so on, earth energies. And it definitely seems like a, a fun direction to go in too. <laughs> it really leans it. So feng shui is another form of right. geomancy. Dowsing is a form of geomancy. Vastu, vastu. Yeah, they're right. They're all about working with, you know, and even when we talk about like, I think the Aboriginal Australians and call them dream lines or something mm-hmm. like that, that they walk dream trails, or I think that's the term for it. And that's really also energetic, the energetic lines of the planet. And as humans, well, not even as humans, animals follow ley lines. So I'm a druid and I have a lot of friends in the UK and stuff that are also druids. And in the UK, all of the ley lines are really marked out and acknowledged. Right. I had druid friends that came to the United States. And one of the things that they found, because they were doing like a study project on it, was that in the United States, where we have a lot more rural land, that animal trails, Mm. animals naturally, like when you see paths in the woods that are worn down because so many animals are following it, that's because that they're following an energetic line. 
So there's oh, some wow. really cool stuff. It is such a big rabbit hole and it is so much fun yeah. to go down. And it's perfect for people. Like I think plant people, you guys are a little geeky, you know, like Just a little bit. Let's be honest. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd probably also love geomancy because mm -hmm. it's also a little geeky. It's got some science in there. You know, it's not just, you know, I do spirit communication, but let's face it, there's not really a scientific method to spirit yes. communication. There is a scientific method to geomancy, just like there's a scientific method to creating medicine with plants. Right. Yeah. And you can like, it, there's, there's scientific explanations for it too, like electromagnetism, geomagnetism, exactly. and so on. But one thing I always, that I, that I am interested in regards to geomancy and ley lines. Well, I think that ley lines, people call ley different things ley lines sometimes too and there's that tension in the same way that you can be born with abilities and develop them there seem to be natural currents of force but also the ability to develop them or you can move them you can move them okay yes dowsers that's one of the big things that they work on is like if energy lines are in a disruptive pattern like maybe running through your bedroom yeah. And you can actually work on moving them. So it's not that you're well, really creating them. It's that you're moving them. So there's two different types of lines. There's water lines. So when we think about yeah. dowsing for water, that right. those are water lines. They're sometimes called serpent lines. Dragon lines are electromagnetic. They are the reflection of solar radiation coming off the planet. Hmm. And interestingly enough, since science has gotten involved, they can be measured. The radio, hmm. the the magnetic ones, which is what yeah. traditional lays are considered, and they are at their highest potency at about three thirty in the morning, which is something I find really fascinating because most people who have random experiences with spirit, yeah, <laughs> the witching hour, them, yes, yeah. okay, so that is like there's. It's really cool because we're actually living in this very exciting time in which science is catching up with magic. You know, mm -hmm. they're all like, look at our new discovery and witches <laughs> and shamans everywhere going like, this isn't yeah. really new guys. You just have your own language for it now. Good for right. you. Yeah. So, so I wonder it. if is that's because that's kind of like the darkest time. It's like before the dawn starts. Yeah. That's like that yeah. part where the, the sun is farthest away from your location. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is when it's the darkest and I'm not sure about the exact science of why that is the strongest. My brain went into a totally different thing when you said that. I was actually thinking about like, why is science catching up? And science <laughs> is catching up because we are coming back around, you know, like I believe we're going through a psychic evolution in which more and more people are becoming psychically sensitive, having spiritual experiences. I think of psychic abilities as being more of an art than magic you know but then again i think of magic as being science that hasn't yet been explained so you see it's like we're starting to figure it out but as somebody who's worked with the public and seen clients for 34 years i have noticed a huge uptick in people who are having experiences and that's also why we're getting more out of science because some of those people who are having experiences are scientists mm -hmm. they want to actually understand instead of just saying no this is impossible they're saying i want to know how this is possible yeah yeah 
And I think some of the, the best scientists in history were very intuitive. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Or they let themselves go into that like meditative state a lot to be able to like solve big problems. Yeah, exactly. You know, so Druids call that Awen, the spirit mm-hmm. of creativity when we can be downloaded. And it's used in many ways to describe why, you know, like why do shamans all over the world have certain techniques that are the same? Why did this pop up in, you know, like the pyramids and all these different places? And, you know, like we have people who want to explain it like, well, there must have been these people who came from a boat. It's like, or you had this influence that was going out through the cosmos. Right. Yeah. And people with sensitive minds all were tuned in at the same time. Okay. Because yeah. like I wrote a contribution to an anthology called the coronavirus that came out in like May of 2020. And I was kind of late to the writing of it. Like a bunch of people had already written their piece when I was invited to write in it. So they actually sent me five other people's writing so I could see where other people, because this was like, what do you think that this is, this time that we're living in is about? And this book was astrologers, psychics, and thinkers. And we were almost all saying the same thing in different language about how we're in this time of dual you know, dual potential, you know, like a splitting of reality, you know, like we have, if we think about quantum, you know, reality, then there's, we might not be talking about the same subject right now, but we're still talking, but there are, and at this time, there is a belief that we have two major realities that are playing out that we're being kind of like divided by, and one of them is very fear-based. Yeah. And one of them I call, I call one control and one green. And the green one is the people who are the healers, who are the thinkers, who are saying we have to come together and work. You know, that's why plant things and why mushrooms are so important right now, because we're starting to learn from them about how we are all connected. Yeah. So while there's people like us who are, we're here saying like, we're here for a reason, we're here to make a change. We need to think and work collectively we can visibly see at this point, you know, how there's also another stark difference to where we're at in which people are in deep fear and literally coming apart at the seams and they either need to be in control of everybody else or they feel like they have no control. Yeah. I I mean, that bifurcation is already happening. Yes. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it is now there. It's like the, we think of a a future that is dystopian, right? But that's yep. that's the present. Yeah, we <laughs> are there, in dystopian times. Yes. Yeah, and but there is the, the way out is also present. Yeah, but also the thing is too is to realize, like, because you know this is a talk about spirit. Is that spirit is on board right now? So mm. spirit, like, I think it was probably two thousand. 11 or 2012 that my sister Sandy and I really started paying attention to the fact that we started noticing that elemental beings were stepping up to the plate. Like Mm. we were catching things in photos. We were able to show them to other people. We were having ridiculous amounts of experiences ourselves. 
And we started saying like, they want to be seen. They're not hiding anymore. They want to be seen and they want to be seen because they are our helpers. So like, why do we want to have divas in our garden? Well, divas in our garden are going to make our everything more vibrant, more alive. They're going to grow better. They're going to be tended better. But we also want divas in the garden because when we start realizing that, you know, I believe in animism. I believe that everything is has consciousness. And because I believe in animism, I treat the world that I walk upon with more respect. Yeah. Yeah. And when we start having experiences where we feel, see, sense otherworldly beings, we start to realize like, whoa, this isn't just us here, you know, or we start to maybe feel that plant and realize that, you know, we can recognize that it's telling us what it needs, you know, or that it's telling us not to cut it. And instead of trying to, you know, like we've all had those moments where we stubbornly try to take something down that does not want to be taken down. And it's like fighting a wild animal. And part of it is that, okay, well, did you ask, did you, because one of the things that's interesting that they've found is, you know, that plants, particularly they've done some research on trees with this, will pull their energy back. Okay. So when you ask a tree, like I'm going to cut this branch off of this tree. When I ask the tree, like, is it okay for me to do this? I'm also giving that tree kind of like time to prepare itself for the fact to be able to pull its energy back out of that particular thing. Or if I'm making a magical item, maybe I'm making a wand, maybe I'm making a staff, I might be lucky enough to have that infused in there because I asked, I didn't take, you know, like I asked permission. So I'm really about collaborative exchange that when it comes to magic, when it comes to anything, it's collaborative exchange. You're going to get better results if you are working in cooperation with a being than you are if you're power over it yeah definitely and for herbalists like talking with the plant and asking it it can put that the medicinal power into that plant but i think this is really important this the idea of animism is becoming a lot more popular now because we're recognizing that we are connected with everything we're not just this Mm -hmm. isolated self and i think that is the the big problem with contemporary society it's the modern materialist, industrialist, reductionist society is also inherently nihilistic. Yes. And there's no self. There's no, well, there is a self there. That's all there is. There's no, there's no soul. There's no connection. And that's why I, th- I think that's partially why the psychic atmosphere, the astral atmosphere right now is so difficult for a lot of people. Yeah. Like in during coronavirus, I had several friends that died. They none of them died from coronavirus. They all died from drugs or suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because th- this this psychic atmosphere is so difficult right now. And I think part of that is that is that nihilism from the the dominant worldview, mm-hmm. which isolates, separates, and shows demoralizes. demoralizes. <laughs> yeah, and most people like in 2019, I had a ridiculous amount of people who were showing up for appointments with me who were coming because they were afraid they thought that they were Mm. losing their mind 
They weren't people who went looking for psychic development in any way, shape or form, but they were finding themselves very empathic. So they're finding themselves overloaded. They were finding that they could feel it, but they didn't realize that it was other people's feelings that they were absorbing. Mm -hmm. They just think like, I'm losing my mind. I can be happy one moment in the next moment. I'm an emotional wreck and I'm screaming or crying or something's wrong with me. And it's like, well, this isn't all yours, you know? So there is that nihilistic, you know, like patriarch, society you know like industrialization that they're also fighting but they're also because of that this experience does not make sense to them because they can't see that it can be coming from an outside source or even how to take care of themselves in that moment i have taught a workshop for probably 15 years now on empaths opening and protection and it's actually what i'm currently working on for a book because you know, these, these, you know, we're having our consciousness open, whether we want it or not. So this has been my topic where I'm all over the place, but it's all in the same topic. We're living in a seven year. So you do astrology. I do numerology. 2023 is a seven. Seven is a number that's about consciousness expansion. This is a global number. It will affect everybody, which means that to some degree, we are all going through psychic expansion of our consciousness our reality is shifting on us and we're living in a time of exceptional death because of that and this is actually a term that is being used to talk about the fact that we have a exceptional amount of people dying yeah. from non-health reasons or mm-hmm. dying from mental health reasons really yeah and most of those people are young mm-hmm. yeah 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 it, it, it... There and there's a lot of ways of looking at it too, like because it also it seems in this society right now that there's no future, like yes, and that's part of larger cycles. It is, but there's a lot of things that like because you know I I've had the benefit of this, like I said, it's my 28th podcast I've done since April, so I've gotten to talk to some really interesting people, and that means that I get to really pay attention to what people are thinking, and mm-hmm. you know we there's a really big belief that again, going back to if we're splitting our realities that those of us who are wisdom keepers need to create more art. Mm. We need to create more joy. We need to create more community. We need to create more love. We need to create structures that stand outside of our crumbling structure. So that when Mm, the structure falls, there is another structure there. And that it's more than just wishful thinking. If you actually believe in magic of any kind, you believe in the power of thought, Mm -hmm. okay? Whether you call it prayer, whether you call it manifestation, whether you call it, you know, Course in Miracles or witchcraft or whatever you call it, you are believing that your mind, quantum physics, that your mind has the ability to create and I think that we'll end up in the same place to some extent, whether we believe that it's all going to be a shit show or whether we believe that we're here to make this a better place. Might be both. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it is going to be both, but I think that, you know, like what will happen is we're kind of moving like this and then at Uh. some point we're going to come back to another point, but there'll probably be a lot less of us on the planet when that happens, because, you know, like I do think of all the people who are 
and I really feel for the people who are taking their lives and their families who are, are coming to this decision out of their pain, because that's an extreme amount of pain. But I also know that, you know, my sister and I've been talking about it since about 2012. So this shift of consciousness or the splitting we've been talking about it before we had words for, because we could just feel it coming because she's also psychic and we're best friends. And so we, because we perceive the world in a very similar way. And we, you know, it's kind of like, I can't, will eventually not, will fade off in the reality that's all fear-based. I will have lesser impact there. Mm -hmm. I will not be as alive there, if you will. And a person who's a shut-in because they're so afraid has already taken themselves in my world and made themselves small because they're just barely existing here. Mm. Okay. Like it's kind of like seeing that that's how we're, we're coming apart is we're so for the people who are really struggling, you know, it's a choice. It's not a choice whether you're, if you're dealing with mental illness or by, by no means am I talking down somebody's actual struggle. Right. Mm -hmm but it's a choice on whether you want to see yourself as being here for a purpose or whether you choose to see yourself as being here to suffer. I was raised by a Marine. So one of my dad's favorite sayings was we don't go down like punks. And that is kind of a way that I live my life too. Is like, I know I'm here to be boots on the ground, just like you guys are, you know, yeah. it's like, we're here because even if, you know, your words get out to only a small community, you're still influencing and supporting a small community that helps them to perceive that there are other people who are thinking and doing and believing that we can make a change. And that is how we actually start shifting things. When we start seeing that we are a global force, that the majority of people are not, you know, megalomaniacs and the majority of people are not, you know, greedy and violent. There are a lot of people who are struggling, who feel that they don't have enough now, who might be being bought into that consumer mindset or who might be struggling and are filled with anger. But it's really only a few people out there that are really creating the problems. I know. And they're so powerful in the sense of having the ability to they're like powerful. drill into the earth and frack. Yeah. And it's true. But yeah. there's some amazing things that have happened in that too. Like I am friends with Druids in the UK who made a huge movement that involved magic around fracking. Really? There are, you know, and there are things that we can do, you know, and mm -hmm. what you guys are doing is part of it. It's like, when I had the major opening, one of the things that came through was that we had to utilize the same systems that they do. They use the news, they use the media, they use the bandwidth. Okay. And so no matter how small somebody's podcasts are, you are also using that bandwidth. Mm -hmm. You're also putting something out into the stream that is not vile. Yeah. 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 I struggle with this thing we're talking about right now of like, you know, trying to create the alternatives, trying to build something and putting something into the stream that's positive 
versus also like taking down the systems in place, you know, like there's part of me that feels a little bit of guilt for being in this beautiful farm in central New York and creating this like community here when there's also like these huge players. We all have our own places. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, if you've got this farm and you're creating community, you're doing good stuff. You are doing what needs to happen. And you know, that is like, we can't all play the same role, you know, like my sister has a lot of psychic ability as well, but she does not have a, I have a faster running engine, Mm. you know, and more, I'm more comfortable. I'm a true extrovert. So I'm very comfortable with this, no matter where I am. So we talk about that, that my job is I go there and she holds space for, Mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of students who've taken classes with me or her, they know both of us, if they might've taken more classes with me, but because my life is busier and I'm constantly going out Mm -hmm. when they need something's falling apart in their life, it's usually her that yeah. is getting them at their doorstep saying like, remember me, I'm still here and I got this going on. Okay. So cool. we can't be mad at ourselves if we're not the person I'm not a stand with a protest sign. Yeah. I was on a school board for nine years. My way is infiltration. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> like to be too. as mainstream as I can and change what mainstream is. Yeah. You know, but I'm very thankful for the person who's got their angry pants on out with the protest. Absolutely. <laughs> Cause like you said, everybody has their role in their place and exactly. different times in our life. Maybe we are more drawn to that. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's really nice to know that we have people doing that and having these different tactics. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think what you're saying about the, the purpose and suffering is really important too, because if you know your your role and your purpose, then the suffering is for something. Yeah, they actually did. This was an interesting thing they did. I saw this on, it was like one of those like old house kind of shows, like where they pretend I think it was like 1940s house or something. It was in Britain. It was set during World War II. And so they focused primarily on the women who would be living in the house, would be dealing with rations, all that kind of stuff, bomb scares, you know, having to have the you know the bomb raids at night and the uh, about a month in they were seriously the whole group of them the mother the grandmother and the children were all struggling with major depression and so they decided that they needed jobs because in world war ii people really had jobs so the kids had jobs collecting metal and rubber and things that were needed for the war effort and the women joined the USO and it completely changed everything. Nobody was struggling with depression because Mm. they all felt like they had a purpose that they were actually doing something that they were, no matter how small my part is, I am saying that I don't want this and I'm going to do this to make a difference. So that's the piece I think that I'd really like to, you know, like, bring this around in a closing for is like, you know, like people have to realize, like, think about what you do do, even if it's just that you are able to, you know, you make canned goods and you donate some to, you know, the local food shelf, or you always make sure that you shovel out your elderly neighbor's driveway while you're doing your own, that is still showing humanity. 
that is still us remembering that we are good, kind people, that we're not just angry and pissed off at the universe. We're just pissed off really at the people who are abusing the system, which are not the poor people. Right. That's not who's abusing the system. It's the mega rich, it's the corporations. And mm-hmm. so, you know, being the farmer who maybe what you're doing is you've got some extra veggies, like where my office building is, one of the other places there is a place called Salvation Farm, which is an organization in Vermont that does gleaning awesome. yeah. for the food bank. Cool. So, you know, there's a lot of really, really cool things that can happen on the local community level. And I think that's where we need to focus our efforts because I think a lot of the suffering too is, is, is people wanting to change things that they actually have no control over. Yeah. I don't have any control over what they make for climate decisions on how, you know, like pollution is going to be dealt with. Yeah. You know, I don't have any outright. I do have my contribution, my little drop of water in the bucket. Yeah. So my even putting it in my prayers or my doing spell work or my just stating that I'm opposed to this is still putting a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, this has been a, a really wonderful conversation, Sally yeah, Crow. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. I usually take people off completely where they opposite direction where they thought yeah. they'd be. <laughs> yeah. So is there, you said you're working on a new book. Yeah. What are yeah. you excited about and how can people find out more about you? Oh, I have a ton of stuff going on. They can find out about me by going to my website, which is sallycrow.com. That's S-A-L-I-C-R-O-W.com. And I have, my books are available on all major booksellers. I have an elemental retreat coming up in July. And I'm always teaching different classes and stuff. Right now, I just opened a center last November after coming back out of COVID. So right now I'm working a lot of things on the more local level too. So having some events and planning for a witch's ball in October. Really? So, nice. Yeah. Oh, so I want to go. Stuff. Yeah. Um, well, if everybody, go, if you just go to my website, you'll be prompted immediately to sign up for my newsletter. And I send out a combination blog newsletter every week. And so awesome. there's always something to learn. And then there's all sorts of information of things that I have going on. So people can take advantage of those. Nice. So grateful to be able to connect with you, Sally. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and, you know, all the drops you're adding to the the bucket in our world. So thank Thank you you for your drops in the bucket. Oh, thanks.